No, I went to Joanne Fabrics today and I got some stuff to make candles. I got wax and um Did you wicks. get wax wax or like gel wax or um it's a paraffin wax blend. I'd prefer to have like beeswax, but well, yeah. I just wanted so- to you gotta test the waters first before yeah. you get what you some, actually want. Yeah, I got some scents. I got lavender and mint basil, but they're good scents. And okay. I got wax dye too. I yes. got purple and then turquoise. So. Ooh, that'll be I fun. Got woodwicks. Woodwicks. Mm-hmm. Like wood, not. Yeah. Oh, I've never heard of that before. Yeah. You'll have to show me the finished product. guys just want to let you know and apologize there were some minor technical difficulties during this recording so you may hear some odd noises you may hear some noises that we would normally cut and we do apologize for that just know that next week we should be back to normal thanks okay so today is our um welcome welcome hey Um, hi hello myths and misfortunes um i'm I'm rachel that's rachel that's grace Like how you like race me. I'm Rachel. That's me. <laughs> I'm <am> Rachel. <laughs> um, yes. Welcome. This is actually round two recording for us because my yeah my mic something happened. <laughs> it was very weird. It wasn't working. <laughs> so this is the second go. Let's uh, hope this goes well. Um, uh, yeah. Th- so this is our mess episode number three. Um, so yeah, my story is gonna be the great noise slash Britta Zipple, and Ooh, great yes. noise, great noise. Yes. Mm, I don't understand why it's called great no- great noise. We'll have to figure I that think out. And called the next that episode because it, it was like a huge witch mania. Yeah. Um, that's going on. Um. Anyway, the great noise, Britta Zipple, all that shit. My sources are one, two, three, four, five, six, six wikipedia links Oof. and heartlandoverseas.wordpress.com and witchawarenessmonth.wordpress.com Ooh, witch awareness month i love that <laughs> love um, that there's a lot before i get into the actual story that i think is important to talk about and i think it's because i think it's really interesting and it's a lot of it gives it exposition you know yes um Compared to other European countries, Sweden had fewer witch hunts, but that doesn't mean no one died, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, hundreds of people were executed for witchcraft in Sweden. In in the Middle Ages, sorcery or witchcraft wasn't considered a serious crime, and it wasn't until 1350 that it was criminalized in Sweden, Finland. It was a sort of mix of the two. There wasn't yeah. a clear boundary. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, and the sentence was death only when combined with murder. But even then, there are no real confirmed cases that anyone is, anyone was executed for witchcraft in Sweden during the Middle Ages. Mm-hmm. Although it is important uh, to mention that people 
some people were executed for consorting with pagan gods, which seemed to be categorized as heresy. But I mean, consorting basically the same thing. So consorting with pagan yeah. gods. Hmm. Yes, that is what I do in my free time. Yes. Uh, between 1527 and 1596, there were about 100 witch trials in Sweden, which may have resulted in like 10 deaths total, which is a surprisingly low amount when compared to others that we learn about. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anyway, that large, um, about, yeah, uh, (laughs) witchcraft was valid until 1608 when the law was beginning to be interpreted more strictly and that's when the modern witchcraft act replaced the old law and introduced the death penalty for all forms of sorcery and this is where the first real witch hunt started it's in, it's really interesting because there's a period of time between the 1590s and the 1610s where there was a wave of witch trials and then hunt, witch hunts mm-hmm. and then in 1620 it just sort of stopped and mm-hmm. didn't start up again for 40 years <laughs> they and stopped caring in 1620. Apparently. <laughs> they, it just, during that time, it was pretty rare to be sentenced to death for sorcery. And most people were either let off with a fine or banishment if it was, like, particularly bad. Yeah. And the largest, most famous witch, Swedish witch hunt was called The Great Noise. It started in 1668 under the reign of Charles XI and lasted eight years, resulted in nearly 300 executions. Oh, yeah, it started when, according to some sources, a 12-year-old girl named Gertrude Sven's daughter got into a fight with a boy named Mats Nilsson, who she tended a herd of sheep with. She beat him up, and he decided he did not like that, so he later said that she led sheep over a river by enchanting them to walk on water. You little shit. Yeah, and then you another boy- little shit. Because you are pissed off that a girl was able to kick your ass- Right. And then another boy named Eric Erickson said he had a vision of Gertrude leading um, leading other children to Blockula. And this is kind of the downfall of everything. So I'm Blockula. sorry, Blockula. Count I know it's Blockula. I know. Um, so Blockula is said to be this legendary island where um, allegedly the devil held his earthly court during the witch's Sabbath or you know, witches gathering, mm-hmm. and naturally, the island could only be reached by magical flight, either on goats, sticks, brooms, or sleeping men. On goats or sleeping <laughs> yes. men? Goats sleeping men. Let me just head on over to the Sabbath <laughs> on a sleeping uh, goat. How about that? Hey, you never know. <laughs> Um, on Blockula, you would be instructed to deny God by cutting your finger and writing your name in blood in the devil's book. You would also be baptized by the devil, swear an oath of fidelity to him, as well as dining, dancing, and having sex with him. So bringing anyone, let alone children here, would be the biggest no-no. Yeah. So Gertrude confessed and pointed the finger. I know it sounds wild. But she confessed and pointed the finger at her neighbor, Maria John's daughter, who said she tricked her, stealing her away to Blockula when she was eight. Uh, John's daughter was tried, and although she denied everything after four years in prison, once a law I talk about later is uh, amended, 
she was sentenced to death for practicing sorcery when a lot of people came out against her, accusing her of bewitching them, even her own younger siblings. Oh, no. Gertrude Sven's daughter and the siblings of Mare were flogged and then released, which... I'll get into a second. Um, the remaining people accused were acquitted, but the hysteria was impossible to stop. And soon 23 people were put on trial for abducting ch- the abducting of children to Satan. On May 19th, 1668, 69, my bad, eight people, seven women and one man were executed as a result of the trial. Against now, how did you mess up on something like 69? You were just joking about that the other day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's a lot of bouncing back and forth between like 68 and 69. 69. Yeah. All of this turned into a large trial and Mora and, oh dang, I left off the date. It was either 68 or 69. 17 people were sentenced to death for having abducted children to Satan. Even the children who were supposed victims, like I mentioned earlier, and witnesses were punished because they participated. That's just messed uh, up. Yeah, I mean so it's all messed up. But yeah, 148 children were sentenced to be with being whipped or running the gauntlet, and it didn't stop there. I mean, like I said, this lasted eight years, and this isn't even my main story. The rumors spread all over the country as parents became absolutely terrified that their children were going to be exposed to like sexual abuse and sell their souls to the devil. And we all know what happens when there's widespread panic and fear. Mm-hmm. So parents started to demand that the authorities issue investigations in their parishes. So witch trials started to spread from parish to parish. And when more and more parents demanded that their children's stories be investigated, all this panic led to the issuing of a central national witchcraft commission in an attempt to take control of the situation. The rules of the Witchcraft Commission were issued by the king in 1673 and 1674. The initial regulation um, that said uh, said only those who accused... The initial regulation stated that only those accused who confessed willingly and who had played a leading role were legal to execute. And the revised rules of 1674 stated that people could be executed even if they had not confessed. Oh, of course. Yeah, but that torture was from that point on legal to use to make them confess, which it had already been used before without legal permission. But yeah, that's, um, that's that law I was talking about for John's, uh, Mari, John's daughter. Yeah. How she sat in jail for four years because she would not confess. Until they started torturing her. No, even when they tortured her, they didn't. Oh, really? But at this point, um, they changed the rules and even if they hadn't confessed go ahead that's not right no so i should mention here that while like depictions of the great noise were typically made in like germany and they show the accused being burned at the stake and that's not the entire story in sweden all of those all those sentenced to death for sorcery were executed by decapitation Mm. after their remains would be burned at the stake. Mm, no. So, yeah. No. 
The worst period of time um, was between January and June of 1675 when 181 people alone were executed for sorcery. Okay, so around here is where the Yevle boy comes in. Um, Johan Johansson, uh, Greece, was a 12-year-old boy who, okay, so real quick, brief mention of sexual assault for the next five seconds. Oh, fine. So like skip forward like 30 seconds. Yeah, skip forward until um, there's no more. So Johan Johansson, Greece, was a 12-year-old boy who accused his own widowed mother of abducting Rude. him to Blockula and sexually assaulting him. Rude. So, well, I don't know, because, I mean, it, it could be possible that his mother actually did do this, and he used it as an excuse, but I don't know for sure, so. But this led to him becoming an orphan, meaning he moved in with his grandparents in Stockholm, where he sort of became famous. Everyone wanted to hear about his visits to Blockula, and he sort of became regarded as an expert on witches and sorcery. So when people asked him if he had seen anything suspicious in Stockholm, he said yes, but now he wasn't alone, and other kids and teenagers, seeing how much attention and praise he got, also started saying they had seen, uh, they had been to and witnessed uh, Blockula and witchcraft and all that shit. Eight women were executed during the witch trials of the Katarina Parish in Stockholm in 1676, which was the last witch hunt during the Great Noise. They were okay. Anna Sippel, Britta... Britta Sippel, uh, Anna Mann's daughter, Anna Crystal Pear's daughter, uh, ooh, Anna Pear's daughter, Larka, uh, Maria Jorgen's daughter, Margarita Matt's daughter, Anna Simon's daughter, Hack, and Malin Mann's daughter. Uh, the last one who was uniquely burned alive. No. Yeah. Uh, and I want to cover her again, and there's and one or two other people that I want to cover that has to do with this, so I might do that on another mess episode. We'll see. Okay, okay, yeah. So this brings us to the story that made me want to talk about this in the first place. Britta Zippel, one of the witches executed during the Great Noise, Katarina Parish in Stockholm, she's like one of the well, most well-known, and I didn't choose her story for any particular reason. I just sort of saw it and I was like that's interesting I want to do this yeah uh, like she wasn't the last one executed and her death didn't create like a huge amount of change or anything um and some of them had more info but yeah Britta Zippel was born into a wealthy and well-connected family her father founded a building for sports for the upper classes and her two brothers were sports instructors for the gentlemen of the court and for the king Charles XI so, like, just so you know how well-connected she was. She was really well-connected. Yeah, in 1669, around 30 years old, um, which sounds late at the time. I feel like back then they were getting yeah. married a lot earlier. I don't know. They were, yeah. She married a brickmaster named Gall and had two children with him. Um, Britta had a uh, reputation for being temperamental and having poor self-control, so, like, so well-known, in fact, that her husband had actually been advised not to marry her. Oh. Even her own sister, Anna, was like, no, she's a wicked woman. Wicked. So everyone who knew her seemed to tell him not to marry her. He was even told by one person that Britta was the kind of person who put her pies under the pot when she cooked. Meaning, at the time, that was a, a way for them to say she used sorcery. 
put her pies under the pot. Yeah, it's um like she didn't need fire. I don't know. I'll look into that. I'll look into that. I'll, I'll follow up. He didn't care though. He had a really promise. Um, so and they went ahead and got married. He had a really promising career when they married. But after about four years, he was suffering from syphilis and was bedridden, meaning he couldn't work to support his family. Yeah. By 1765, he was no longer mentally stable uh, and the family lived in poverty. Even worse, Gall's syphilis had spread to his face and he literally like lost his nose. Um, like apparently the bacteria can um, spread to different parts of your body and literally just eat away at you or even Mm -hmm. cause the bridge of your nose to collapse oh yeah oh that sounds Um, oof Brito was called noselessen I believe uh, noseless oh that means noseless because of this which is really fucked up like they called her that that's that's I mean they shouldn't have called anybody I mean yeah they shouldn't have called anybody that I'm just saying like that's fucked up so during this time and after her husband died she survived on the charity of her sister anna even though the two didn't really talk or seem to like each other nice uh, her, okay her brothers no longer acknowledged their sister because of an argument over an inheritance her children were like basically left to beg in the streets her seeming like her argumentativeness and like seeming lack of control caused her neighbors to shun her but it it didn't seem like it took that much for them to shun her anyway Brita was tried for why were they just shunning her like just because her husband had died she had no prospects she had no money oh just because they were assholes that's why so she was strong yeah it sounds like she had a strong personality and they just did not like that Jerks. Purdue, yeah, Purdue was tried for sorcery three times. Uh, in 1668, the master mariner Cornelius accused her of having cursed his ship and having Satan throw him off his horse three times. She was acquitted, of course, as he could present no proof, and her reputation at that time wasn't as bad. Mm-hmm. The court actually fined him for slander. So. Oh, good. That's good. In 1674, a girl accused her of sorcery, but the court set, like, was like, no, because they considered the witness to be insane. <laughs> By this time, the Swedish witch trials had begun, and, and after the accusation of uh, Marie John's daughter in 1675, like, some bad shit started happening in Stockholm. No. Like I mentioned before, yeah. Rita was naturally the first woman to be talked about as a witch, naturally naturally so of course like i said earlier children and teens were inspired by the yevloy boy and claimed they had been abducted and taken to a witch's sabbath of satan in blockula by witches which caused panic so much so that witch houses were set up to protect children which... watch houses watch houses watch houses okay I'm i was like well, which houses <laughs> watch houses so Granted, like they would that gather... sounds super cool let's make a witch house they would like gather all of their children into like one house and or they would go from house to house and it would sort of be like their protection from yeah. witches brita was mentioned a lot along with her sister anna and anna's friend also named anna Anna, men's daughter anna and anna I'll call them Anna and Man's daughter. To, okay. 
Yeah. The interesting thing, though, about them mentioning Anna was that she was a respected and dignified woman. She had a place in high society and was on friendly terms with the mayor's wife, the the mm-hmm. wife of the city captain, and the wife of famed architect Jean de la Vallée, Vallée of Vallée. the royal house. But the children claimed that Britta, Anna, and Men's daughter attacked them in a watch house at night. Like, this is wild. The, the parents believed them and actually started running in the directions the children pointed in the house and chopped at the walls with axes in search wow. of the witches. One parent said that he, uh, he produced hairs uh, later displayed in court, which he claimed he had cut from Britta. So the parents went to the authorities who set up a special witch commission to investigate. Britta did not handle the rumors very well and it makes me laugh to think about it but it was not a good look she (laughs) she hunted the rumor spreading children down in the streets slapped them and told them to go to hell (laughs) which obviously did Um, not help her case at all exact so funny when britta and anna's children were questioned in front of their mothers they said their mother and aunt often took them to see Satan. Uh, yeah, Britta attacked her sister when she heard this. I don't know if she, she was like, what the fuck, you're taking my children to see Satan? <laughs> <laughs> um, you're a witch, what? Yeah, so naturally the rumors about her just like spread like wildfire. And the commission repeatedly brought her in for questioning. And when a ship burned in the harbor, people blamed her for the deaths that occurred. Of course. Yeah, rumors even said she visited the gallows at night to steal clothes of the people who had hanged. It's very weird. Just the weirdest rumors. Children claimed they had seen her playing dice with her sister in Blockula to decide which of them would set fire to the royal palace. Like, they're just very weird rumors. And one time when she stayed home from one of the questionings, the children claimed she was tired after having been whipped by the devil. Like, yeah. Authorities examined her and saw a spot on her back, which obviously they call the witch mark. But a doctor took a look at it and said, like, she's got a fever, but no mark. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. But the rumors about the mark had already spread. And Britta's just interesting to me. I... This poor woman. Yeah, and she didn't defend herself against her children's testimony. And like, although she was aggressive towards other people, which I don't blame her, yeah. she was so fond of her children that she never blamed them for their accusations. And her kids also didn't mention her as much as they did Anna. And they claimed that their aunt took them to Satan when their mother was unable. And they actually had to be pressed to confirm like any accusations about their mother. So. That's horrible. Obviously, most of these confessions were either made up or coerced. Yeah. yeah. The court pressed Britta's daughter, Annika, to confirm the accusations that she saw her mother light the ship on fire. Um, she gave her testimony so unwillingly that she tried to accuse a court member and the mayor of sorcery. And when Britta asked her daughter, Annika, why she'd never said anything of this to her, she said that her aunt had threatened her. um... yeah she said so she was like why didn't you ever mention going to Blockula or whatever because she like I think she believed this that this her children were actually going there so her daughter 
continued the lie instead of saying that it had all been made up she told her that her aunt had taken her and that she had told her to lie so Britta attacked Anna <laughs> yeah she told her daughter that she would like, gladly die for her and when she was taken to prison she said now I know what hardship it is to be a parent I'm a terrible sinner but never have I used sorcery that's horrible oh my god during the trial while uh anna was like poised and dignified and uh anna man's daughter behaved with pride Britta, oh Britta provoked the court she cursed witnesses brought she brought a knife to court at one point when a woman she fought with came to testify and when asked why she carried a knife she said she'd rather be executed guilty of murder than innocently of sorcery yeah yeah, I mean, fair. Yeah, fair. Fair. <laughs> and she just couldn't control her rage at the accusations. Like, who could when you're being accused of something that you absolutely did not do? And she admitted that she had sinned against the commandments of the Bible by working on holidays because of the, you know, poverty. Like, yeah. But also poverty. You have poverty, to work. Like, exactly. And the court convinced Britta Zippel, uh, uh, convinced. The court convicted Britta Zippel, her sister Anna, and Anna Mann's daughter on the 24th of April, sentencing them to death. They sentenced her with the words, Britta Zippel cannot be acquitted, but shall be decapitated, and her body shall well deservedly be burned at the stake for others as a warning, and justly so. Wow! Yes! The execution took place in the Hotoriet Square uh, in Stockholm on April 29th, 1676. All of them acted really differently. Uh, Anna Mann's daughter um, actually completed suicide while still in jail awaiting execution. Um, However, her body was still publicly decapitated and burned. Anna Zippel was described as completely numb, as if unaware of what happened. Like the light had just completely gone out of her eyes. And she was actually taken last because they wanted to get rid of Britta as fast as possible but um like she she said nothing she didn't listen to the priests and didn't even move the executioners actually had to lead her up to the platform like she was a doll Britta however did not go quietly um oh I'm sure she fought every second of the way way kicking screaming she shook her shackles mocked the audience cursed everyone from the royal house and the judges to the prison guards like the audience anyone who had come to watch the execution i am here for her she told them to wash themselves for if she were really a witch even if the executioner cut off her head and burned her skull and corpse on a stake she would come back to have her vengeance on them all She said if they thought she was afraid, they were sadly mistaken. Satan himself had made her insensitive to all pain. They could do whatever they pleased, burn her, cut her body to pieces, and she would feel nothing. She told them not to doubt that she would have her vengeance by the aid of Satan. If she wasn't working for him before, she was now. (laughs) Sure as heck now. Yeah. (laughs) The priest, a member of the witch commission, tried to get her to repent and take communion, but she refused. If truly a witch, she would keep on being so. She would return as a ghost devil of Satan to torment the congregation of Katerina, and she would take on the priest first. God, I love this woman. I know! I know! Britta demanded a drink, which under some old custom was a rite of the condemned, 
and she took that bottle and chugged it. She nearly drank the whole thing and it had to be forcefully taken away from her. And it finally took four men just to get her up on the platform with her kicking and screaming about vengeance the whole way. One of the worst parts of this, I think, is that when Brita, uh, like the day Brita was executed, her daughter, Annika, had gone to the priest and said that she had lied, that her mother wasn't a witch, and that she couldn't be executed. And the priest told her to be quiet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's the, their agenda. Yes, literally. The Katerina Parish witch trials were the last of the great noise, like I said before, not because two of the judges uh, growing concern over the rights of those accused and the testimonies used to condemn them, particularly because the testimonies were given by children who were only asked to confirm their former statement rather than to repeat them to see if they would mess up. Yeah. But also at this point, witnesses had started to accuse people from the upper classes, such as the captain's wife, and that's where they decided to draw the line. Of course. Yeah. Uh, Once Annika, Tom's daughter, broke down in court on September 11th, 1676, and confessed that she lied about everything in her testimony, a lot of other witnesses did too, and they even blamed the Yevle boy as well as other leading witnesses, Lisbeth Carl's daughter and the Myra maids, which I didn't talk about, but it's fine, fine. Uh, for convincing them to perjure themselves. 17 of these kids admitted perjury, which ended the Katarina witch trial for good. Mm-hmm. So, like, they all realized that they quite literally just executed people for no reason, for kids, like children who lied. The remaining accused were freed, and the courts insisted instead prosecuted the witnesses for perjury, leading to the Yavle boy, Elizabeth Carl's daughter, and the Myra maids, which led to them being executed on the 20th of December, 1676. The daughter of Britta Zippel, Annika Zippel, was sentenced to be whipped and actually died during the punishment on Christmas Day at age 15. In 1677, the all the priests of the country were ordered to proclaim in their churches that the witches had now been expelled from the country forever in order to avoid further witch trials. So it ended the whole thing. Yeah. Although there were accusations after this, few people were executed for sorcery after after 1676. The last to be executed by burning in Sweden was Lars Nilsson in 1693. And I like to talk about that one fully, so I won't go into too much detail with that. Until okay. another episode, we'll see. <laughs> Until the next MESS <laughs> episode. The last execution for witchcraft in Sweden actually took place in 1704 when Anna Eric's daughter, who I would also like to talk about, was decapitated. So yeah, she was the last person to be executed uh, okay. in Sweden. The last witch trial total in Sweden took place in Dalarna in 1757, where several people were subjected to torture and forced to confess. This trial was conducted by the local church with approval of the local governor. Mm. However, while technically legal because the Witchcraft Act had never been abolished, witch trials were like a defunct phenomenon in Sweden at this point. It was very, very, very rare. Mm. And when Countess Catherine Charlotte de la Gardie, who visited the province of the witch trial, informed the authorities in the capital that a witch trial was taking place, the authorities immediately ordered the trial to be stopped and the accused were freed and given monetary compensation for the torture they had been forced to endure. 
Well, good. I'm glad that they were uh, released and <laughs> compensated. Compensated, as if that's going to make up for the torture. Yeah, but at least they were released. Yes, they were released. In 1779, the death penalty for witchcraft was finally abolished, which it sounds so recent, weirdly, mm-hmm. after all of this. So I don't want to go out on a sad note. So I did want to add something really interesting that came out of all of this. Okay. According to folklore, the witches travel to Blockula on their, you know, broomsticks or other things on Maundy Thursday every year, which is um, the Christian Holy Day on the Thursday before Easter. It's the day that, um, uh, you know, the feet washing and the last supper. So (laughs) in order to prevent broomsticks but from being used by a witch at this time of the year people used to hide them they also used to light fires uh close their chimneys and sometimes fire guns into the air to scare off the witches yeah and to this day you can still see remnants of this when people in sweden set off easter firecrackers but the most interesting thing is that uh that's been passed down is that on easter children dress up as witches and go door to door hunting for candy Oh my god, that is so freaking cute! I know, and in return for the candy, the children hand out, uh, uh, they get Easter drawings with Easter greetings on them, and it's really cute. So, um, that was my story of Britta Zippel and the Great Noise. That story was sad, but now I want to move to Sweden for my future children to be able to dress up as witches on Easter (laughs) and collect candy. Okay, so what is yours? Uh, so my story this week is uh, a lot shorter than I thought it was going to be. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. Okay, so my story this week is about the black-eyed children or black-eyed kids, uh, commonly abbreviated B-E-K. Mm-hmm. My sources are tbsnews.net, Texas Hell, Hell, Texas Hell, yes. Hell is real. <laughs> Hell is real, and here in the South, oof, it is real. Yeah. Um, TexasHillCountry.com, Snopes.com, mm-hmm. Snoops, Snopes, Snopes, uh, LiveAbout.com, The Demonic Paradise.Fandom.com, Wikipedia, and an archived article from ReporterNews.com, Sites.PSU.EDU, Rare.US.Catalog.com, and webarchive.org. Okay, so black-eyed children or black-eyed kids, they typically appear to be human children, duh, between the ages of 6 and 16. They often appear to have pale skin and black eyes. Oh, wow. Giving them, you know, that very... Shocker. Shocking name of black-eyed children. Mm Mm-hmm. And many people who report encountering these children often report a feeling of unease ranging from anxiety to just complete and utter terror. I would also be absolutely terrified to run into a black-eyed kid. I would be terrified. Oh, for sure. Especially after the last story that I read. Mm. Uh This uh, terror is, however, not due to their appearance. But some people have reported that these children have talons for feet or other demonic features oh i don't remember that i did not encounter a story with either of these attributes but i figured i needed to mention it yeah i don't think i've ever read a story with those that's interesting yeah i've i've never read a story but if it's if it's mentioned i mean then someone's had to see it yeah they are also commonly seen in outdated clothing or dressing in a way that is not typical for a child of their apparent age 
They appear at or near nighttime to unsuspecting adults. They often appear in parking lots or outside of a person's home. They come in pairs, sometimes small groups, and often ask for favors, such as to make a phone call for a ride home, to come in to get food or water, or to use the bathroom. So despite the fact that their requests are oddly unsettling for no apparent reason, people will find themselves agreeing to them. But once that person discovers that the children's eyes are black, the children become more persistent in their demands, which is very unsettling. Mm -hmm. While reports claim that black-eyed kids have been around since the 80s, the first known recorded sightings is by Texan journalist Brian Bethel back in 1996. Really? Which... Brings me back to what I texted you last night. We are older than the Chupacabra and Black-Eyed Kids. Oh, man. <laughs> we are older than the most famous urban legends. <laughs> Love it. Love it and hate it. So, Brian had left his home in order to go down to Camelot Communications in order to pay his internet bill. You know, this was before he could pay online. You still had yeah. to go and drop off a check. And this building was... um they actually had a little drop box so like you could pay when no one was there you could drop it in and all that fun stuff Convenient. you remember those days yes i do so the building was located near a movie theater on north first street and he had parked in their movie theater parking lot because it was like right next door to it he was using the light from the theater's marquee in order to write out his check because it dark heat for some reason (laughs) was not insightful enough to write the check at home and just drop it i'm not here to judge um when (laughs) even though i'm totally judging when suddenly he heard a knock on his window he never heard this person approach his car he looked up and saw two boys somewhere between the ages of nine and twelve years old wearing hoodies with the hoods pulled up. He cracked his window open, expecting the two to ask him for some money, and was immediately overcome by, as he called it, soul-racking fear. Soul-racking fear. The older boy he described as suave with dark curly hair and olive-colored skin. Okay, never described a child as suave, (laughs) but okay. And the younger was uh, redheaded, pale, freckled, and just very quiet. The older boy then told him that he and his companion needed a ride. They had come to the theater in order to watch the Mortal Kombat movie. However, they had left their money at their mother's house. And they wanted to know if he could give them a ride, because that's what you do in the 90s. You ask random strangers for rides. Back to your house, you know. Brian thought that this was a very plausible scenario. However, the growing sense of fear over these two young boys was very overpowering. At one point, he looked up to the movie theater's marquee and noticed that the Mortal Kombat movie had already started. So if he drove the boys home and back, then the movie would practically be over. All the while, the elder boy just kept assuring him it wouldn't take long that they were just two little kids. They didn't have a gun or anything. Um. And with that last unnerving comment, Brian realized that his hand had been slowly inching towards the lock on his door, so he pulled it away. 
After briefly taking his gaze off of the older boy, his mind was sending red flag after red flag as he was literally overcome with terror. Both boys were now staring at him with coal black eyes. He compared the eyes to those uh, seen on aliens or vampires seen on late night TV. All right. Claiming that they were just soulless orbs. Ugh. Gotta love those soulless eyes. Soulless Sam. He was then, of course, mentally freaking out while trying to pretend that everything was okay in order to not alarm the two mm. weirdos in front of him. Yeah. He apologized, making up several excuses as to why he needed to get out of there, and then rolled his window up and threw the car in reverse, still apologizing to the boys, keep in mind. <laughs> he claims that his fear must have been evident because the younger boy had a very confused look on his face, and the older boy began banging on his window, screaming, We can't come in unless you tell us it's okay. Oh. Let us in. No. And this no. statement by itself is utterly terrifying. So he did the smart thing and then hightailed it out of there as quickly as his car would take him. Yeah. As he was peeling out of the parking lot, he took a quick glance in his rearview mirror for the boys, but they had disappeared. Nope. Don't like it. In the same post, Brian then goes on to tell of another encounter one of his internet friends from Portland, Oregon had. Mm. So with that in mind, Texas, Oregon different states they are all yeah. over his friend who i believe his name is john i was looking at his username which was like john north something mm -hmm. could not be a real name could also be his actual name anyway john had just gotten out of a software development conference and was buckling himself into his car when he heard a tap on his window when he looked up he saw a fellow conference goer by the name of Doug. So he rolled down his window and asked Doug what's up. He told him that he needed a ride around the block a few times because there was someone standing by his car that was freaking him out. Mm. Being a good Samaritan, John agreed to this and began to drive off. Of course, you know, they're they're in a parking garage, so you got to drive down a couple floors. Yeah. So they did have to pass Doug's car, which was surrounded by three people. Two boys and a girl, roughly between the ages of 10 and 15 years old, oh. dressing very gothomatic, as he said. <laughs> Gothomatic. Gothomatic. <laughs> the girl, who appeared to be the oldest, was smoking a cigarette while looking very bored, and the two boys were leaning against the car, looking, as John said, way too intense for kids. You don't normally hear about a girl when it comes to black-eyed kids. I feel like it's always boys. It's almost always boys, right? Yeah. Yeah. John then felt the itching need to just really look at the kids. So he slowed down just barely to a crawl, which was a horrible mistake since the two boys decided to just saunter on up to the car. Nope. The eldest took position on Doug's side and the youngest on John's. John asked the two why they were standing around the car after... Of course, ensuring that his own car doors were locked. The youngest one replied, It's scary out there all alone, and we just wanted a ride home. Mm. And the other boy chimed in with, You promised you'd help us out. What? To which Doug, of course, was like, I don't even know you. Right. Chill, dude. I don't know you. Go away. So John is over here sitting on the edge of his seat. Like, this is a super weird, messed up situation. Then Doug makes it even weirder by saying he's going to get out of the car. Fucking Doug. Fucking Doug. 
And John is over here like, bro, no. But he still reaches for the handle. And in that moment, the two boys stepped away from the car and suddenly appeared a lot older. And their eyes were now completely black. No. John was smart, though, because he slammed his car into reverse and backed up about 60 feet. But then the kids start chasing after the car as he's oh, reversing. No. Like full on sprinting. He then spun the car around one of the support beams in the garage. <laughs> he also later admitted that he was convinced that he thought the kids would kill them if they got a hold of the car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Uh, by the time they had gone, you know, 35 ish through three floors of the garage to the exit. They were obviously very surprised to see the eldest boy standing at the bottom. No. Because the math does not add up unless his kid is Kid Flash. Right. Uh, or had a twin. Or had a twin, true. And the, the kid almost made it to John's side of the car and the door, but he very quickly, you know, sped around the corner out of the garage. And once he was far enough away, he looked back and no one was there. Ooh. No one was there. Completely gone. About 10 minutes later, John drove Doug back to his car. And on the ride back, Doug admitted that he had met the younger one earlier in the evening and said that he would give him a ride home. He had even given him a quick ride to the seminar since he was headed that way and told the kid to wait for him. However, when he saw the older brother, he got scared and Mm -hmm. noped out of the situation. So yeah, he, uh, Doug. Doug. They got back to the garage and Doug got out of John's car and into his. John followed behind him about 45, you know, about 45 feet behind him. When, as they were driving, he felt the same feeling he had felt earlier that day in the garage. At that moment, apparently Doug misjudged the length of a yellow light at an intersection and his car was hit by a truck. Oh. He was killed instantly. Oh. <gasps> John saw everything and had to give a police report freaking out the entire time. Yeah. When he finished, he got back into his car, got in, locked the doors, and waited. Sure enough, he saw the three kids again, and they were about two blocks away. And as far as I know, that is the last time that John saw the Black Eyed Kids. Hopefully. Hopefully, because that was very intense, very concerning. Another very intense story, probably one of my favorite stories that shouldn't be my favorite because it ends not so great Mm. that I've read um, takes place in Vermont, you know, on a snowy day, snowy night in Vermont. So late at night, an elderly couple hear three loud knocks on their door. When they answered, there were two children standing there, a boy and a girl. So again, another girl, not used to this. One of the children say, our parents will be here soon. May we come in? Mm, negative. They didn't make eye contact or try to alarm the couple. They just stood in the doorway. While hesitant, the couple did reluctantly let the pair in because, again, it was cold and snowy and it was night. So, and they're children. So, you know, they're not just going to leave little tiny things outside in, in the cold at night when it's dangerous. The children settled down on the couch while the wife hurried to the kitchen to make them some hot chocolate. Oh. I know, such a good lady. So nice. The husband stayed with them and tried to muster up a conversation by asking questions that just went unanswered. 
When the wife returned from the kitchen, she noticed that the family cat was scared of and angry at the children. Oh. The pair then asked if they could use the restroom. I don't know why they asked to use it together. Kind of weird, but you know. Can we use the restroom? <laughs> he is specifically, can we use the restroom? But when the woman looked at the pair, she noticed that the children's eyes were completely black. She directed them to the bathroom and returned to find her husband covering his face with his hand. She asked him, did you see their eyes? In response, he pulled his hand away from his face to show her that it was completely covered in blood from a sudden nosebleed. Oh. As if she couldn't be any more alarmed, the power in the house suddenly went out. No. She ran to the bathroom to check on the children and was greeted by their voices at the end of the hallway. Our parents are here. No! They then walked past the elderly woman through the living room and out the front door. Like, they didn't even bother to close the door either. They just left it swinging wide open. Full assholes. Little assholes. They're raised in a barn. <sighs> the woman followed behind them and began to close the door when she noticed two men at the end of the driveway. They were tall and very slender. She waved to them, but received no response back before the men and two children drove off. Shortly after this, the power came back on, and over the course of the following week, weird things began to happen in the house. Three of their four cats went missing, and the fourth was sadly found dead in a pool of its own blood. Oh, what the fuck? Mm. The husband continued to have nosebleeds and eventually went to the doctor where he was diagnosed with a very aggressive skin cancer. Since then, claims of black-eyed children sightings have grown uh, slowly, peaking in 2013 when a video of black-eyed children was submitted to MSN. This video, however, was later discredited, but this, you know, seemingly increased the mystery of these interesting children and more and more people became fascinated and started seeing things. In 2014, Black Eyed Children were made a front page story in the UK's Daily Star. This is due to alleged sightings of Black Eyed Children in a haunted pub in Staffordshire. Many ghost hunters who believe uh, that Black Eyed Children are extraterrestrials, vampires, or ghosts took these sightings in the pub very seriously. Which of course brings me to the theories. People think that black-eyed children are aliens, vampires, ghosts, any number of paranormal things. Like, there's no one set. Demons. No, demons, that's even a theory, yes. People think aliens because of their parent ability to just kind of transport themselves. Yeah. Um, people think vampire because, you know, they have to ask to be allowed in or they mm-hmm. have to be, you know, given permission. And, you know, they are sometimes able to persuade their victims' minds. People sometimes also say ghosts because of how pale they are and how they can just appear, reappear. Sometimes even standing in the corner of your room during a bed of sleep paralysis. Why did you say that to me? Why did you say that to me? Why did you say that to me? I'll ask again, why did you say that to me? (laughs) (laughs) Because you love me. (laughs) Oh, God. So a more scientific theory is that these black-eyed children are just tricks of your mind. (laughs) Yes, children's. (laughs) (laughs) Children's. According to a paranormal investigator named A. Milhorn, I don't know why there's not a first name, 
I was not given a first name. When a person reads about a certain phenomenon, they are more predisposed to be attentive to it. So in this case, you yeah. hear about black-eyed kids running around at night and asking for weird favors. You're bound to notice it more when it actually happens. Yeah, it's like when you hear about, or when you think about a certain type of car, you start seeing that seeing, car everywhere, yes. like stuff like that. Yes, and this is known as priming. So that, along with pareidolia, can cause people to just honestly have false experiences. It's really easy to just, your mind plays tricks on you. It's what the human brain does. Uh, However, yeah. <laughs> the human, like, intuition, like, gut feelings mixed with that must be mm-hmm. very weird. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Something else to keep in mind is that in low light conditions, the eyes can dilate quite a bit in order to let light in. Mm -hmm. This combined with, um, you know, priming and pareidolia above, if you see someone like a kid in particular with extremely dilated pupils, you might just completely ignore the fact that the whites of their eyes can still be seen. Also, in some like certain light settings, um not just their eyes like their pupils getting larger but like your lack of vision mm-hmm. can make it seem like areas that are more sunken in are darker themselves right. yes mm-hmm. the human brain man it's wonderful <laughs> and honestly it could also just you know it could all be a hoax because it's pretty easy to get sclera contacts which are contact lenses that will color the whites of your eyes yeah true that's like, true. it's really easy to get those, despite the fact that it's kind of illegal to sell them without a prescription. Yeah, I don't think they're good for you. I don't think no, they're good for you. no, they're not. But it's really easy to get them, and some websites are selling them as low as $20. The only thing I would say against that is that at first you don't notice it. Mm. I don't know. I feel like I would notice that. I, f- I don't know. I feel like it depends on the situation. Like in these, in the stories above, I would not notice their eye color because I would not be looking at their eyes, especially if it's a kid with their hood up and looking down. I would not be paying attention to their eyes. True. Also, like, I don't know. It's like being close to not enough to someone you'd be able to see their white the whites of their eyes but if they're looking down then it would be harder yeah it would be really hard and in all of the stories i mentioned they are all looking down at one point and it's when they finally look up at you and yeah try to make eye contact yes yes so despite all of this and not really knowing what black-eyed children are people still see and report sightings of them to this day you can find these stories all over the internet reddit in particular has like a great million has millions of stories and i highly recommend everyone going and reading them if you're interested because these they are interesting uh there's also tons of videos on youtube and they're kind of creepy but Mm. you know i also highly recommend you watch those and just mentally scar yourself into seeing a black-eyed children i will not thank you i might i might i might i might i don't know i definitely might also side note that was technically the end of my story but there is a movie that came out about black-eyed children's called black-eyed children let me in oh yeah yeah 
I'm gonna need to watch it, but it's apparently a continuation of a YouTube series called Sunshine. Oh, okay. So if you're interested, check all that out as well. And that is Black Eyed Children. Mm. Again, a story with no freaking ending because there's no ending to Black Eyed Children. They're constant. I'm gonna be really mad if I have some <laughs> um, Yeah. Okay, well, if you enjoyed that, if, if you, you didn't, if you would like more nightmare inducing stories, please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Myths and Misfortunes. Or Twitter at Myths Misfortune, or you can search for us using the full name Myths and Misfortunes will pop up. You can also send us an email to mythsandmisfortune at gmail.com. And please, please, please check out our website, mythsandmisfortunes.com. Our theme music was composed by McKean Fulbright, and our art was created by Heather Marie Atkins. Their websites can be found in the description below. And don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, um, especially on iTunes. You know the deal. We need that. It helps mm. us. Okay. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.